Episode 71, How to Coordinate Care for Residents Who May or May Not Be Patients. Today I speak with Asif Khan from CareMerge. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. I had a revelation speaking with Asif Khan today. Most coordinated care efforts seem to center around a clinical episode, or at a minimum, a clinical assessment in a clinical setting. It's a kind of, let's coordinate care for this heart failure patient just discharged from the hospital, or let's coordinate care for the patient with comorbid diabetes and CV whenever they show up at the PCP type idea. It's rarely, let's watch over this patient while they're not a patient, but a resident, living their lives day-to-day in a senior care community or facility. Let's keep family members looped in efficiently. Let's let someone know if dad isn't playing Scrabble anymore. Because here's the thing, Scrabble matters, arguably, just as much as a couple points here or there in dad's blood pressure. Today I speak with Asif Khan, who is the founder and CEO of CareMerge. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Asif. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you. Let me just read the summary of CareMerge that I found on your LinkedIn profile, my friend. CareMerge is a revolutionary, award-winning communication and care coordination platform. Our solutions improve care coordination among various stakeholders, meaning senior care, PCPs, specialists, therapists, home health, family caretakers, etc. for seniors. Did I read it just like you wrote it? Yes. <laughs> so you, you founded this company how long ago? Uh, about three years ago. And w- what's the story there? Why? It started just so for the audience kind of know where I came from. So before this, I spent, I would say, 12 years uh, with GE in various global roles in different GE businesses. My last stint was at GE Healthcare. I was a global leader for a big radiology infrastructure product that was deployed at over 3,000 health systems hospitals worldwide, and that's really what I was doing. So as I was doing all this wonderful work, uh, my parents, just like every other you know, middle-aged person's parents, they're growing old. And my parents are a little unique because they live in the middle of nowhere in a third world country, and they're volunteering to develop orphanages and uh, schools and whatnot, you know, wow. to help people. But what happened one day is I get a call from my dad that my mom is on ventilators. I get there and I see my dad with a big stack of paperwork. So I was like, dad, what is mom's, you know, medications? Which doctors can we talk to? He had no idea. Um, And I was really frustrated because he's a very smart guy. And so is my mom. They're very educated, highly educated people. It was very frustrating. So I was like, okay, you're growing old. You're living in the middle of nowhere and you don't have your information organized. So you're basically asking for it. He turned around and he's like, well, you know, you're telling me about all these things. Why don't you, you know, you live in the most advanced country in the world. You work for the biggest company in the world in healthcare. And you tell me all the wonderful things you're doing around the world. Why don't you tell me which medications you took three months ago? (laughs) Good point, dad. (laughs) So the point, I guess, is, uh, or it was like, you know, enlightening moment, you know, like sometimes you, you know, once in a lifetime kind of moment for me to realize, you know, why is that? You know, why is that we can 
you know, watch uh, movies on Netflix on our smartphones. We can book flights from our smartphones or any other device. We can get our cab right in front of our house in two minutes. We can do whatever the heck we want in the world. But the most important thing about us is our body, you know, the the body that I have. And, uh, you know, my loved ones, what's their health? How can I have the right information at the right time so I can have a peace of mind that, you know, when something happens, people are notified or they're aware of what's going on so they can make the right choices. So that's really why CareMerge started. I can really see all of the various ramifications of that, which really are part of the story that you you told about your parents. I mean, it doesn't matter how highly educated you are. If you're in a spot where you're completely emotionally overwhelmed because your loved one is, you know, is in a bad way and there's things beeping and people asking questions and I mean, you're really not in the best place to make very critical decisions and you know sit around doing reconnaissance missions looking for old medical information you know i'm thinking about it myself if if something happened to my parents what would i do i mean i wouldn't even know where to start i would feel like i was on a research expedition that could take weeks when literally there's minutes yes so, so then what your your dad poses this very astute question and you think to yourself, he's right. So what happened then? Number one, my mom is doing well. So that's good news. But what I did afterward, I came back and resigned for my really nice job. <laughs> and I had no idea how I was going to solve this problem. But, you know, somebody had to do it. And I think with my understanding of what I knew, I thought if there could be anybody, it should be me, you know, anything. I resigned from a job and I really started doing a lot of research around where is the biggest pain? You know, so it's a like in, in, in business, you always think of, you know, 20, 80, 80, 20 rule, right? So if you really look at 80, 20 rule with respect to our population, so we are 300 million people, you take top 20 high, highest security patients are mostly patients who are over 65, you know, people who are growing old. And those are the ones that are driving the highest cost to healthcare, you know, whether whether we pay it in our taxes or whether, you know, government pays or which, either ways. So what is happening is people are living longer than they did in the past 50 years. And we're living longer because of medical advancements, medications, treatments, and all those wonderful things. But, you know, it's increasing the cost of care. At the same time, so as the demand on healthcare is increasing significantly, if you really look at the number of physicians or nurses, they're actually not increasing at the same pace, they're actually stable. It's, it's really, the, it's a graph, it's a straight line. We are getting into a, a point where there's going to be a big disconnect between the demand in healthcare and the, you know, and the supply of healthcare providers. So the only way to connect the two is through automation, getting the right information to the right person so they can, you know, focus more on providing care as compared to, like you said, digging for information or looking for information or, you know, waiting for the right information to get to you or waiting for your other providers to fax you a copy of something that, that they're waiting for to make a decisions. So that's really where, where it's going. And I can also see how that fits very neatly into the whole patient-centric idea that the patient needs to be, I hear various metaphors, you know, the CEO or the quarterback of their own care. And Generally speaking, when people say patient, they mean patient and surrounding family members. 
So I think that also probably nests pretty well into what you're doing. You're enabling the patient and those surrounding the patient to have the information that they need in order to actually, you know, (laughs) assume the responsibility and the accountability that has been thrust upon them. Right. That is one of the key differences with what we do at CareMerge is we are a really person-centered solution. So there is one universal patient ID, for example. So no matter where the patient or the person will go, the data will follow through and people will be able to access the past providers, past data, and where the patient is going in the future, you know, where they're getting discharged or in downstream uh, of the care continuum, where they're going. So it flows through. I think and another big thing that has happened recently is, uh, you know, Affordable Care Act, which really is uh, allowing everybody as a nation, whether it's, you know, healthcare providers, patients or anybody, to your point, who owns the risk? Where are the incentives? And where is the conflict of interest, right? In the past, it was, it has, or even now, it is still quite a bit fee-for-service, right? But fee-for-service is kind of, there's a big conflict of interest. So, you know, the sicker the people are, the more money providers can make. Not that they would, they do it, but, you know, that's just the way its system is set up. But the newer Affordable Care Act, based on that, I think where we're going is, as we talk about the value-based care. So, you are, as a provider or a payer, you're not only responsible for paying what was delivered, but you're really responsible to take care of a certain patient or a person over 30, 60, 90 days after a critical event has occurred uh, with, a, with a total cap amount that you're going to get paid. So anything on top of that amount that you spend, it's going to be your loss and anything that is, uh, you know, less than amount is your profit. So we are really starting to really move towards this really value-based, how do you keep people healthier proactively as compared to being reactive all the time and trying to fix their problems after they have happened. All right. So now I'm on the edge of my seat. I see if we've talked about all of the, the, the problems and the impetuses to make sure that care is coordinated and that both the patient, patient's family knows what's going on. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of of people that are trying to crack this nut. What is CareMerge doing exactly that is different, that is going to solve a problem where others have failed? Right. There are two elements of what we have seen as we kind of go in the trenches and understand what's going on. People are only going to use technology if it augments their experience and augments their workflows. What I mean by that is, we use smartphones because it allows me to do all these things, right? Things pop at me and things pop at me and things tell me or apps tell me there's a new alert. I click on it. I see what was the notification. I take action on it or I just ignore it, whatever. But information is coming to me throughout my day and I'm consuming it and reacting to it. That's number one. Number two, human beings, it's so hard to change your habits, right? So, and in healthcare, in my opinion, it's all about habits. You know, people are used to doing certain things for a very, very long time, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, you know, you have to, you know, you have to really understand what people's workflows are and really give them something that augments them, right? Augments their work, allows them to do more with less, allows them to have a peace of mind instead of, if I'm a nurse and if I'm walking around and something happens to one of my patients uh, that some other person observes, I don't want to have to find that out after three hours, right? 
I want to be able to instantly have a ding on my phone that I say, oh, what is that? You know, let me go take a look at it or let me just see who else is. Because uh, that ding has not just happened to you. It happened to a whole bunch of other people who are providing care for that patient. And now you can all come into HIPAA compliance, secure, you know, messaging, which is one of the elements of Care Merge. Now you can all talk around that person in the center and really coordinate care. And there are several things that in the process of this care delivery, in the workflows, there are different forms that need to be signed. So if you're caring for patients that are you know, part of some managed care organizations, there are certain information that the managed care organization wants you to fill out on a regular basis. There is you know, primary care physicians need to be notified if something happens. There are hospitalists. There are hospital case managers. So all these people are really around these higher acuity patients, and they need to feel that something comes to them so they can really dive in and kind of take an action as compared to finding out three days later and trying to figure out really what's going on. So what CareMarge allows you to do is really helps people augment their existing workflows. So it does the two problems in healthcare where technology people are, it's very hard to use. Uh, it becomes much more powerful, Right. Let me just jump in there because I want to make sure that we are drilling down to the right level because obviously there are any number of companies that are out there working on, if, you know, if you're talking about a hospital, managing coordination of care in the hospital setting from, I can probably think of 10 off the top of my head without struggling. But generally speaking, the person that's left out of that care coordination it is the patient to a large degree. I got the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, that your customers tend to be long-term care facilities or assisted living primarily. Is that wrong? No, that's correct. I mean, it's uh, senior care providers. So whether they're assisted living or skilled nursing or even at home health care. So all the senior related care providers. Generally speaking, who would pay your bill? is going to be an assisted living facility that has residents. Yes. Yeah, so initially, where we started was, uh, you know, providers paying us because they see the value in, in, you know, augmenting their workforce with the right tools so they can do more with less. But more and more, what we're starting to see is a lot of bundled payment conveners, accountable care organizations, IPAs, and all these different types of risk-bearing entities even health systems that uh, that have uh, you know bundled payments or they're just simply trying to have a better control over their readmissions from a penalty perspective they are starting to reach out quite a bit without any marketing on our side and they find it very exciting to have a solution at their disposal that they can use to keep track of their high risk patients no matter where they go is high risk patient the best way to define the perfect care merge patient population? Or are they narrowing it down? These ACOs that are calling you, is it, for example, you know, like patients who have been in a long-term care facility of some kind and then go back to the hospital? Or is it pretty much just anyone who, who gets discharged? Right. Yeah. I think our focus has been, you know, based on that whole 80-20 rule, you know, you know, focus on the highest risk, higher acuity patients because they cost the most. How do we provide care for them? And their care is actually the most complicated. And that was one of the reasons why we went into senior care providers, because we were like, if we can solve the care coordination challenges for the, <laughs> for the elderly, because there are so many people involved, 
uh, we can actually do it for an average man or a woman, you know, any time, right? Because, you know, people like you and I, we probably go once a year to a physician, regular, oh, everything is okay. You know, you have a little cholesterol problem, come back later, try to eat less, you know, this and that. You know, that's not where necessarily the problem is. And, you know, the problem is really where, you know, majority of our significant amount of, you know, 20% of your population is, you know, at this kind of over 65 or high risk or high acuity that requires a lot of care and care coordination or proactive care measures. So you can actually start to reduce or put a dent into your healthcare expense as a nation. Why don't we start with where you started? I'm a provider of senior care services. So let's just say I have, a, you know, an assisted living facility. I go on your website. I, I look at this, this care merge. It looks interesting. And I decide that I'm going to install the care merge system into my facility. What changes? What good occurs? There are different ways you can, because it's a workflow solution. So it depends on which workflow you're trying to augment for your staff. But in a case where a provider is using CareMerge, they see a significant drop in call volume from the families. Let's just take it from kind of the provider journey. So, you know, I'm a nurse. How do I see CareMerge? Is it, is it on an, an iPad or my phone or do I got to log into a terminal? It's all, all of the above because, you know, no two providers or people are the same. So our technology works on on all smartphones, um, even iPods or iPads, and work, there's a web version for it. Yeah, you use whatever you want to use. Okay, so I got a tablet because yep. I'm, I'm one of those tablet people. Okay. And, I, and I walk into, you know, Mrs. Smith's room. Okay. You know, Mrs. Smith is an elderly resident. Let's just say that she recently got back from, she, she was a resident earlier, but she had some sort of acute something or other, and she was admitted to the hospital and then released back into our care. What happens in that room with CareMerge? N- number one, I mean, the nurse, or if you're looking at it from a nurse perspective, she already has a lot of tasks assigned to her based on the care plan that was created for that patient. So when I walk in, I already know these are the five things I need to do while I'm in the room. And did right? that care plan come from the hospital? Because in, you know, for example, the ACO scenario, if you've got an ACO that's part of this thing, then, you know, whoever the discharge hospitalist or planner was at the hospital actually is typing in that care plan. Yeah. So it can come from the hospital, it can come from the MCO. It can, you know, every, that's the funny thing is you say that because everybody has their own care plans, by the way. So that's one of the things we're trying to figure out is how to merge these care plans into one. So now you all can, you know, execute on one care plan. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. When I come in as a nurse, so it depends on where, if it's a hospital patient and they want to execute on a certain care plan, certainly they can push through care merge that. And then the facility or the location or the community, they have their own care plan. So, you know, they have that as well. So now as a nurse walks in, she has all the different things that she needs to do to satisfy the hospital as well as to satisfy her own compliance requirements or regulatory requirements or, you know, their care facility requirements. But the interesting thing is you just enter data in one time on your tablet app. And, you know, because structured data, most of the data that we capture is structured, we can now fulfill multiple care plans by just doing one or two things, right? So you don't have to go into five different places to say, I've done this, done this, done this. You go to only two places, you say, I've done this and this. And if it's the same, it allows you to say, oh, great, it's done. 
And then within the camera system, you would be recording all that data. So somewhere on the back end, the facility could report back if necessary. Of course. To, okay. of course. So the way our reporting works is because a cloud-based solution, so our analytics work as a patient level. So you can see the patient's history, where they transitioned in from, whatnot. And then at a facility location level, and the location could be a brick and mortar facility, or it could be a region, it could be a zip code, you know, it could be a wider community. And then above that at a tenant level, so the tenant is, you know, a provider that has maybe 50 locations, right, across United States, then you can run these analytics and say, what's really going on in California with my communities or facilities that is different than the ones in Illinois? What is the difference? Why are there more falls here? Why are people in Illinois in this area are working less than these people? So you have all those analytics at your disposal to work on. Okay, so once again, nurse goes in, talking to Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith has slight dementia, let's just say, and maybe there's a decision that needs to get made. How does Mrs. Smith's daughter or son get involved in this whole process? I mean, I think the part of the process is whenever somebody has a care merge profile, especially because we're talking about high-risk, higher-acuity patients, we have a advanced directives component built into it. So you know, if something happens, do I have a DNR? Do I don't? Do a, Who is my power of attorney for my health decisions? Who is my power of attorney for my financial decisions? So all those are already pulled into the system. Now, no matter where the patient goes or who is taking care of the patient, they always have that universal access to that basic information. So say Mrs. Smith's daughter is frantically calling the facility, trying to figure out what happened to her mother, who was just recently admitted to the hospital and then released. At the top of this conversation, we were talking about how this really helps patients and their their caregivers or, or families get looped into the decision making. In that moment, in Mrs. Smith's room, how does that happen? You can definitely configure CareMers to send that type of alert. But what we tell people in our training or implementation is, there are certain times in your life where you don't want to use an automated alert. You want to pick up the phone and actually talk to people, right? And whenever there's an emergency like this, that's what uh, what we try to tell people within their workflows is, if an emergency happens, please don't use the app. You know, you need to pick up the phone, talk to the family members. They have 10,000 questions. You need to give them your time and make sure they are feeling good that you have done whatever you can to take care of the situation and bring them up to speed on what is the next plan. That's like one area where, you know, again, understanding your workflow is understanding human beings. One area where we say it's not a good idea. Now, on a regular basis, there are tons of communication that happens, you know, between me, my siblings, and where my dad or mom is, and then the staff. There could be a director of nursing, there could be a couple of nurses, there could be executive director, life enrichment people. But it's a mishmash of a whole bunch of people talking to each other in siloed conversations. If I talk to the director of nursing, I get one answer. My sister talks to another nurse, she gets another answer. Me and my sister are out of sync. The director of nursing and the nurse are out of sync. So now all of us are in this confusion. That's where the app is very powerful because HIPAA compliant is secure. And you can have this group message between your staff, authorized staff, and then all the family members on the other end. So now all of you are in the same page at the same time. Kind of like the HIPAA compliant WhatsApp where you get groups together. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, we have Slack in our office where right. we have group conversations. 
what a world of difference such a simple concept makes. Yeah, especially when when it's really around somebody's care. There's more to it, obviously. I mean, there are in our app, you know, besides this messaging, it's it's also about what kind of services are provided to them. And there are certain things that app starts to detect to kind of say, wait a second, this family member doesn't seem like very happy. And it alerts the staff on the other side so the staff can take proactive measures. And maybe this is, again, a time to pick up the phone and call that family member to understand why they're dissatisfied or, you know, kind of, you know, understand what's really going on with them. There are lots of different components tied to it. But at a higher level, yes, it, it does bring that cohesive team mentality. And it most importantly, it helps you establish relationship with these families because, you know, they could be 2,000 miles away. You know, who knows where they are, you know? It really gives, makes sure that everybody starts to kind of build that relationship over time. So when bad things do happen, uh, there are really less litigation issues and more collaborative problem-solving way to solve this problem because it's a billion to $2 billion annual litigation industry primarily coming from families. If I'm a facility and I'm looking to install CareMerge, it sounds like it's something that I need to do. There's an internal component to it. I need to get all of my nurses and doctors and other providers up to entrance into the system and logins and there's some workflow. You know, I, I need to hook up the system. Is it kind of like a mini EHR? or CDS to some degree from an internal perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it it, it definitely is uh, from that perspective. I mean, because one thing that we don't do is we don't worry about CPT codes or ICD-9 codes or ICD-10 now, you know, those codes. And we are not necessarily driven by, we're not a billing system. But yeah, we do have integrations with pharmacies. We do have integrations with other EHRs. We pull in all the necessary data. That's where it it has to be super simple. So anybody who is providing care, the best example is when you go see a doctor, the doctor for some kind of pain or some kind of things, the doctor doesn't say, you know, doesn't ask you in order to provide better care for you, hey, where was the last ICD-9 code <laughs> that your other EHR did? Or... You know, what is the, your, what are your soap notes were from your last visit? You know, they don't, they don't talk about that. They say, okay, Asif, you're here. You're telling me you got this pain. Are you on any medications? What are your, some of your conditions? You know, oh, you have congestive heart failure or diabetes or blah, blah, blah. Uh, are you allergic to anything? Do you have any recent labs? Let me check your vitals, right? These are the five fundamental simple things that any physician, no matter where you go in the world, it's the same darn five things. So with Care Merge, that's the that's the beauty of it. We centralize those five things and we keep it centralized, keep that updated. No matter where the patient goes, that becomes your central record. Those are the five simple things that everybody can see and they can coordinate care on. Well, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that I had never really thought of is if you're talking about an EHR system with all of its order sets and various things, that's obviously very clinically focused. But if you're talking about residents living in an assisted living facility, I mean, there obviously is a a clinical component to it, as you said, you know, hooking up with pharmacies and, and keeping track of all that. But there's also just many other factors there that are not you know, obviously they have clinical relevance, but it's not something that maybe has an ICD-9 or, or 10 code associated with it. That's the most beautiful thing about, I think, what Care Merge, what we're trying to figure out, 
is that by the time you get to a physician's office, you already have a problem. It's, it's a little too late. The beautiful thing about it is how do you capture simple things in your life where people are providing you care as a high-risk, high-acuity patient and sift through that information and data to start to predict that something is about to go down. For example, I am a senior and the nurse just checked my vitals. I know this person has CHF and I, as part of my vitals check, I kind of say, hey, John, can you stand up on the scale? I just want to see what your weight is today. Oh, you know, you've gained five pounds. You know, let me just catch your symptoms. You know, your symptoms is you have, you know, shortness of breath or something like that. That's kind of odd. But as a nurse, you know, again, when you really think about what goes on in these communities, not everything is a registered nurse. You know, there are LPNs, there are lower skill nurses, and they're not necessarily like most super sophisticated, you know, trained clinical professionals. They're just there to provide care. But they touch the residents or these elderly the most. And they capture these simple things all the time, capture these observations. So providing them with the simple tool where they just press these three buttons, guess what? Now there is a rules engine, for example, in CareMERS that detects all that and really throws out alerts to the registered nurse, primary care physician. Depending on how you have set up your alerts, you know, that's part of the rules engine. But you have just avoided, potentially, uh, hospitalization just by capturing those simple things and tying in to the person's condition, right? That's just one use case. And what about other things that just aren't clinical at all? Like, for example, say you have a resident that used to, I don't know, always go to the knitting circle on Thursdays and then just starts not showing up. I mean, are, are, have you found that factors like that are meaningful? No, absolutely. We got definitely tons of charts that shows a person's activity level on a daily basis. So what kind of events this person is attending? What does it really mean? You know, if somebody attends a session on playing Scrabble, as simple as that, what does that mean with that uh, in context of that person? Uh, that tells you that this person is a little bit, uh, that whatever this person did was a little bit of intellectual ability. And then this person was social with some other person because you're playing Scrabble. Now you can actually quantify their daily movement and understand what they're doing. So if anytime, if that activity level goes down or you can not only tell that just like one looking at one data linear way, but you can actually start to correlate some of these things with other things that are going on. So, hey, we changed Asif's medication or his dosage from 200 milligrams to 500 milligrams. And wait a second, ever since we've done that, John is sleeping more and he's not involved in the activities as much. Wow. <laughs> Maybe we need to do something so he's more spending more time awakened and less time sleeping because this the more time you are not awake or you're getting sleepy, you know, you're going to get depressed eventually and there are a whole bunch of ramifications to it. There are definitely quite a bit of information to really start to prevent a clinical or a critical event. So that's really what we're trying to do. And I could also see the patient's family or the resident's family would also be very interested in those kind of things. And and knowing that dad used to go to Scrabble every you know week and suddenly he stopped going, you're pulling in the family to keep an eye. You know, you're, you're giving them the information that they need really to ask questions 
and you know and also be on the alert for changes like this absolutely and uh, family then you become a team right you know mom is not doing so well she used to do all these walks every morning but now she's not doing it and if i'm seeing it in in my you know daily feed of my mom's you know well-being and i see that that's kind of dropped out now then it allows me to ask the question what's really happened and then i can encourage my mom i say mom why aren't you doing this anymore what's going on so you don't even have to wait as a family member for some staff to come and tell you on a quarterly basis or monthly basis or if if they do it you know as a good community to tell you this update it's it's real time and it the staff appreciates it because they're trying to do the same thing as you were trying to do and now you become one team and now you're working toward making your mom come back to her daily routine if at all possible where can people learn more about care merge if they are interested we have a, a website care c a r e merge m e r g e caremerge.com and people can go check it out over there and if they're interested they can click on that demo link and uh, you know find out how we do things thank you so much for being on the program today asif thank you so much stacy it was wonderful Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far. There are over 50 at this point with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.